What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the From Downtown Podcast. I'm your host, Dahani Joseph, and last night, the basketball world was treated to a spectacle of a game. G League Ignite and Metropolitan 92 played one another, and yeah, I know those names don't particularly stick out like the Lakers or the Celtics do, but the two stars on that team, those names are the ones you guys need to learn right now. I'm talking about Victor Wembanyama and Scoot Henderson. These two players, man, they're special. To me, they look like generational talents. That's what I see out of both of these two players. Today, I'm going to give you my reaction to the game, thoughts as well on the players, and what I saw from the potential number one and number two picks in the upcoming 2023 NBA Draft. You guys do not want to miss it. Cue that music. So getting started here, this was a great game. Like, I understand that it wasn't NBA preseason. I've watched a lot of NBA preseason so far. But for a G League game, and I have watched G League games um, recently as well, but it was a great game. They were, um, I believe, Met 92. They were down like around 20-ish or so at the half. But they stormed back. Victor Wembanyama started scoring like crazy shooting threes from deep off the dribble, off the catch, which is ridiculous considering his 7-4 size. But they ended up making it, I think it was tied at one point in the four for damn near like a one or two point game. Um, it was a great game all around. Um, shout out Tremont Waters on the form, former Celtic now with uh, Met 92. He was balling. A lot, there was a lot of guys, a lot of hoopers um, on both sides of the floor, not just the two stars. But we're not here to talk about the other hoopers. We're here to talk about the potential number one, number two pick in the coming NBA draft. So let's start with Scoot Henderson. I feel like he might not have gotten as much hype. Of course, there's hype around him. But at least in terms of social media, I've seen a lot more of Victor Wembanyama simply because of his uniqueness, his size. And we'll get into all that. But right now, Scoot Henderson, 6'3", he's uh, 195, 200. When you look at his frame, he's strong. He's built solidly. Um, I I thought he was more of a two-guard, but I actually looked it up. He plays point guard, which is wild to me considering just, like, his scoring into instincts, right? It looks like he's a dude that can play the the two-guard in the NBA, but... You know, he's, he's 6'3". I heard the comp that he is the next Derrick Rose. That's what they were saying on the telecast of the game. And I know that sounds crazy because Derrick Rose, right, the most athletic point guard outside maybe Russell Westbrook. There's a debate for who's the most athletic point guard in NBA history. But Derrick Rose at his peak was an MVP he was trending toward being the face of the league, if not for the injuries that he sustained. Derrick Rose was a real deal. But I think Sue Henderson can come damn near close to what he did, if not more. 
And here's why. Watching him play, he's an elite, not good, not great, an elite athlete of NBA size, especially at the point guard position. I cannot stress enough about how easily he moves in the open court. Very John Wall, De'Aaron Fox-esque. I saw him grab a rebound and just go with the full length of the court in ridiculous time. He's super quick, super fast with the ball in his hand. He's an instinctual cutter, which which is why I was thinking he was more of a two guard when I was first watching. I didn't have the, I didn't have his um his um re- resume, stashy, whatever you want to say, to say that he was a point guard. But he's an instinctual cutter. He will play off the ball, which is something that a lot of guards in the NBA who have a high um, points per game rate, very successful. Guys like Stephen Curry, Damian Lillard, people that can play off the ball, move without the ball. And those teams typically, especially in the case of the Golden State Warriors, are very successful. And Scoop, he definitely has the off-ball ability to cut. His teammates often find him on backdoor cuts. Um, I think that he's a improving shooter. He definitely showed the ability to hit three-point shots. Mid-range is where he likes to work. And a throwback style is what I like. I really enjoy his mid-range game. He's able to boogie on you with the handle. He has the ability to create his own shot. One play in particular, I remember he went at Victor Wembanyama in a one-on-one situation at the top of the key. And, yes, Victor is 7-4, and he's not, like, super mobile, but for his size, he's very active. And he has an eight-foot wingspan. But he did not care. Scoop did not care. He went straight at him. He's fearless. That is one thing I will say when I was watching the game. He is a fearless player. No fear. In that one-on-one situation where he topped the key, he went to between the legs, behind the back, into a step-back shot over the 7-4 Victor Wembanyama with the eight-foot extended wingspan. Nothing but net. At the top of the key. Like, that's high-level offense, high-level um, creation ability. And that's something that you covet in the NBA. When you look at the best guards in the NBA, again, Stephen Curry, Kyrie, Damian Lillard, CP3, the list goes on and on. These guys can create off the dribble at a high rate, and that spells nothing but great things for the rest of the team. Like I said, he's fearless, right? He attacks with reckless abandon. I think that's where those Derrick Rose comparisons really come into play because I saw him go at Victor Wembanyama. I saw him go against other centers on the floor. Like, I don't care who you are. I'm going to the rim. I'm scoring. Like, that's it. And he has the athleticism to do that. He has the craft. I will say, he's not just a dude that'll just go straight over you and just yam it on you, but he can do that. He does have that ability. He got bunnies. There's no doubt about that. But he can go to the rim. He, I remember he did a move into like it was a behind the back and then like almost a year on then underhand scoop layup to the left side when Victor Wembanyama's right there like he's one of the best rim protectors once he gets to the NBA he's gonna be one of the best best rim protectors period but by far the best rim protector in the game that they played in scoop just doesn't care and I love that about him he gives me very much Anthony Edwards levels of confidence when you hear him talk he's like Man, he's just confident. He talks like he knows he's the best player on the floor. And for most of his life, he probably was the best player on the floor, being honest. I mean, with the athleticism, the work ethic, coaches rave about his work ethic, um, especially with the G League Ignite program. This is his second year. 
the work he put in the offseason to improve that jumper, which was on display during this game. We saw a lot of moments where he was able to get to his dribble pull-up in various different situations, not just stepping in in the mid-range via um, a a kick-out pump fake one dribble, but also with a flurry of moves and the fast break coming off the screen. Like There's various different situations where he was able to get into a shot in the mid-range, and that's the hallmark of a true great score. As much as people like to say the three-point shot is has revolutionized the game of basketball, and it has to a certain extent. When I mean, you look at the best scores, when I mean, you look at Kevin Durant, Kyrie, Jason Tatum, LeBron, DeRozan, there's, these guys always go to the mid-range. They have that post-fade. They have that one dribble pull-up. It's unguardable. What are you going to do if someone can shoot the three? They can also go to the basket, but they also have that in-between game. Three-level scoring is a premium. It's at at a premium in the NBA today, and you can't really substitute that when you're looking for the top player on your team. You need a guy that, when a game gets tight, he doesn't have to just stay around the three-point line or go straight to the basket. He can get into a one-dribble pull-up, a step back, a flurry of moves, do whatever you have to do to get the shot off. The greatest players of all time offensively had that ability. Scoot has that. And I think that's what makes him a potential number two, maybe a potential number one pick. It'll be hard to say he's going to go number one once we get into Victor Wembanyama, but number two pick, unless someone in the college ranks just goes nuclear, I don't think that anybody will have the number two spot but Scoot Henderson. And again, we're, we're in October. The draft isn't until June. There's a lot of time for things to change and shake up. But when you see this type of athleticism, when you see this type of love for the game, hunger on the court, the fearlessness that Scoot Henderson has, the ability, I didn't even mention this, the playmaking. He's a sneakily good passer. And that's not something that I expected. I thought he was going to be a dude that's just like, go, 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 score. But he understands that with that scoring prowess that he has, he can get 25 a night, but also he should be getting around five to six assists per night solely because the defense is going to be so honed and keyed in on him that when he has the ball going to the paint, he's going to attract two to three defenders. In in the game, he had a drive where he went straight to the paint. He had Victor Wembanyama as well as two other Met 92 players. He got into the paint, a deep paint touch, and then he – quickly swung it out to the left corner, right-hand baseball pass. Like We see so many of the greats do, LeBron, CP3, James Harden, those type of guys do on a nightly basis. That was Mojave King that knocked that three-pointer down, but what I'm saying here is he has the vision, and that's something that at the NBA level you need as a point guard. No matter if you're a scoring point guard or whatever it may be, you still have to have the ability to create for your teammates. And I think Scoot definitely has been working on it. I saw it in the pick and roll with him a lot. He had no-look pick and roll passes, but they were also precise on target. There's one that was a turnover, but that was more because the big man stopped running. We can cut those down as it goes along for Scoot Henderson, but I think the feel for the game is definitely there. The skill level, the athleticism, all the things you would want and a number one guard for a championship-level team in the NBA. Scoot Henderson has that. He has talent and abundance, potential, through the roof, I'm buying my Scoot Henderson stock right now. Now, 
Let's get into Victor Wembanyama. So the first thing, I, I've seen some highlights of him before this game. I've seen highlights. If you follow me on Twitter, at the Dahani Joseph, I've posted some highlights. This dude is a cheat code. <laughs> he's a cheat code, man. He's 7'4". People say he's 7'5", 7'4". Let's say 7'4", because 7'5", I mean, he's doing crazy stuff already, but 7'5", are you, are you crazy? Are you serious? He's 7'4", 8-foot wingspan. I'm going to repeat that. He is 7'4", with an 8-foot wingspan. This man is a condor, bro. <laughs> this is ridiculous. He is... Uh, like, lost for words right now. Sorry about that. He has guard skills at his height, which is absurd. He can come off a screen and pull up for three like... He's a Damian Lillard type, and I saw it in the game. He caught the ball, so a wing set a screen for him, came right off that one dribble into a jump shot, and nobody's nobody's even there. That's a uncontested jumper. He's wide open. If he misses the shot, it's not because they're good defense. It's because he misses. Plain and simple, because once he's up there, 7'4", 8 foot wingspan, and he has a high release too. There's nothing you can do about that. Just pray and hope that he misses. One thing that I will say, definitely the same thing with a guy like Chet Holmgren in this last year's draft. He's skinny. He's skinny and frail. Um, I want to say he's around 200-ish pounds or so. Maybe a little bit more than that. Yeah, he's at two, 210. He's at 210 right now. I just checked it. <clears throat> Sorry about that. He's 210 at 7'4". He's going to get manhandled in the NBA by certain players. Like, despite the height, and the height will definitely help him. But, again, if you're going up against uh, Joel Embiid, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Nikola Jokic, these bigger guys in the NBA at that center spot, yes, he'll have the height advantage over them, and that will certainly aid him. But at certain points, can you imagine Giannis coming down the lane and he has to try and defend that? His chest is going to get caved in for a lack of a better word, like he's just not at that strength level. But regardless, despite not having the the strength when attacking the paint right now, yeah, he, he did get knocked off his spot a bit or getting rebounds. He is a premier lob threat. Probably one of the best lob threats ever, like just ever in basketball history. The seven four eight foot wingspan. He's athletic. He's not a stiff. He can jump up. If you throw it anywhere. In the area, he's catching it. I think Anthony Davis is probably one of the best at that. Just like if you throw it up, he's going to get it. And when Banyama is taller, Davis is what, 6'10", 6'11", maybe? When Banyama clears him easily. So whatever point guard gets to play with him, to the average, at least seven to eight assists off of him alone. That's that's how great he is as a lob threat. Also an elite rim protector, too. Like I said, that wingspan and size, he's going to be patrolling the paint. It's going to be super hard to score, especially once he gets some more weight on him. Even without the weight, I just think that he's too talented of a defender to really get pushed around the way that someone like Chet would. Not say Chet isn't defensively sound as well, but that extra length and on the wingspan, the height, man, that's going to account for something. And even the games, yes, we saw... This past game, Scoot Henderson go at him. 
and score on him. That's going to happen with anybody, especially when you have such a high-level talent like Henderson. I think that when Benyama, he has the potential to be the face of the NBA, the number one player in the NBA. Heads on that about that. In terms of comparisons, I've heard Anthony Davis, taller, of course. Everybody's going to be, everyone say, somewhat taller because no one is his height. So Anthony Davis, I heard Jonathan Gavoni of ESPN call him a Kevin Durant plus Rudy Gobert comparison. Which might be the most apt comparison, I think, in terms of Kevin Durant's ability to score. Wembenyama in his game against G League Ignite, he had 37 points. And a lot of those points were off catch and shoot threes. A lot of them. I mean, catch and shoot or one dribble into the shot. And they were smooth. Like, it didn't even look like it was like forced. It didn't, didn't look clunky. He has a repeatable motion. It looks good, especially for his height and size. Like, it's something that he can get off easily. And, of course, just the height. No one's really contesting it. So, definitely looks like a guy that could be a pick-and-pop threat once he hits the league automatically. And that Rudy Gobert element, just the rim protector. He'll be a defense all into himself, just like how Gobert has been for so many years in the league. But with more offensive game than Gobert could ever dream of. I think that's a tantalizing dream of being able to draft Victor Wembanyama number one. We see a lot of teams right now, Utah, San Antonio, they said, all right, you can take my best player. You can have my two best players in Utah's case. They're probably still going to trade people like Mike Conley. They are looking to rebuild through this draft. And whoever gets the number one pick, they have a generational talent. Well, number one, number two pick. But Victor Wembanyama. They have a guy that had never been seen before, ever. Nobody can compare it to Victor Wembenyama in terms of his height, his length, his shot-making ability. He's he's what Porzingis was supposed to be. I don't even think coming out that Porzingis had the same type of hype that Wembenyama does now. At worst, he'll be what Porzingis is now. At best, he can be the best player in the NBA. And I think that's saying a lot, considering people now like Giannis, people like Luka Doncic, Jason Tatum, et cetera, et cetera, are in that mix right now. Like you think, oh, my God, this dude's going to be at that level? Yes, without a doubt, without a doubt. Everything that he can do on the floor, and he's only 18 years old. I want to put that into perspective. Both of you guys are 18. I think um, Henderson may be 19, but... Probably 18, both of them very young, very talented, very skilled players. Another comparison I have for Victor Wembanyama, Chet plus, Chet Holmgren plus a little bit more. Granted, we haven't seen Holmgren on NBA stage besides a few summer league games, but there's sim- similar similarities to the game. Wembanyama, another thing that he's great at, I think, he's showing playmaking ability, post-passing, um, the passes didn't well, I have two in particular that I'm thinking of right now that didn't connect. I think the velocity was a bit too strong on those passes, but he has the vision. I think it's more of a thing about the timing and the accuracy of those passes because he's going to have moments where they can just run the offense straight through him, whether it be on the low block or the high post and have people cutting all around him, motion all around him. 
And if he can make those passes, that will make it whatever offense that he's a part of instantly way more deadly because he's going to, on most teams, he'll be the number one option once he's in his prime. And the reason why I said once he's in his prime, just the way the NBA is set up right now, big men typically aren't the focal point of the offense. Of course, you have special cases like Joel Embiid, Jokic, and Giannis, but in for sure, Wembenyama can be in the ranks of those type of bigs. But for right now, I think just his limited physicality, I think that's going to play a role in him not being able to be that number one option right away. But then again, whatever team he goes on, it's probably not going to be too good and have too many, too much young talent. Bleacher Report's mock draft has him going number one to San Antonio. And San Antonio does have some young players, but nobody stand out enough to really warrant taking that number one shot creative, number one scorer, offensive player, title away from Wembenyama. Finally, last comparison for him is 2K, my player. Uh, (laughs) He is a cheat code in real life. He's someone that a player, someone would make in 2K, throw him out there at center, throw him out there at whatever position, put him out there at small forward and just dominate, triple-double machine, quadruple-double damn near, probably get 10 blocks as well. Um, and the crazy thing is that's not too far off for Wembenyama's potential. For my 2K players out there, he's a 99 overall at his best. At his worst, what will he be? <laughs> what will he be at his worst? At very minimum, what's Porzingis right now? Probably like 82. Probably higher than that. Probably like 86, 87. Probably 90. I'm probably lowballing that. But Wembenyama's special talent, probably going number one. I'm highly confident he'll go number one overall whatever team gets him they are going to be probably the happiest franchise since what the Cleveland Cavaliers getting LeBron James that's what we're talking about here with number one picks in terms of potential he is that special he's that special of a talent Scoot Henderson will go number two he will also be a dynamic player MVP candidate for sure in his career hopefully contending for championships so we have Derrick Rose 2.0, and then we have KD plus Gobert. All those guys, Hall of Fame talent. So when you combine that, I think you have two special players coming into this draft, number one, number two. And again, this draft is loaded. I understand that Scoop possibly cannot, might not go number two. I have a pretty high... Hi, uh, good good feeling about this, that he'll go number two. Um, looking at Bleacher Report right now, I'll go through the top ten. San Antonio taking Victor Wembanyama. Houston taking Scoot Henderson at number two. And their archetypes, I'll just read off. John Morant for, for Scoot. John Morant, De'Aaron Fox, John Wall. I think Derrick Rose fits into that mix well. He has a 6'9 wingspan at point guard, which defensively. I didn't see too much high-level defense from Sue in the G League game, but I definitely think he has the potential. He has the athleticism. Number three, OKC, Amen Thompson, one of the Thompson brothers who playing for overtime elite. I have not watched too much of the Thompson brothers play. I've heard a lot about them um, just through social media, just because they're twins and their potential top 10 picks, but from what I have seen, definitely athletic guys projecting to play small forward, um, super freaks athletically. 
jumped out, jumped out the gym. And guys that project to be scorers here, they have the archetype of Scotty Barnes or Scotty Pippen. That's actually pretty crazy if you're comparing to Scotty Pippen. Even Scotty Barnes, rookie of the year, looking to be one of the next young stars in this league. That's interesting. Number four, Nick Smith going to Indiana Pacers. I like Nick Smith. Archetypes is C.J. McCollum, Jamal Murray, D'Angelo Russell. I think that's good comp, especially that Jamal Murray comp. I think he's definitely going to project as a smooth scorer in the NBA. He was a smooth scorer in high school playing with the USA team. He's always a guy that can get his own shot off. Great offense. I really like him. I think he can definitely be a top five pick. Speaking of five, Utah Jazz will be taking Cam Woodmore. Utah Jazz would be sick if they got the number five pick. They traded the farm. They traded everybody away. But, uh, you know, this is just the, what it looks like, the projections from Bleacher Report. So Utah Jazz came with a more ultimate archetype. is Keldon. I can't talk. Keldon Johnson. And came with more from what I've seen. Six, seven, six, eight forward. Uh, athletic guy. A guy that can play the two, three, or four explosive physical player energetic as well i think he's a great rebounder for his position and me 232 pounds he'll definitely be able to slide into this small ball four range i definitely like his potential in the league number six derek whitehead going to orlando i th- i actually like that a lot for the simple fact that getting paolo a number one or a number two score a number two player next to him at the guard position, that's something that I would like to see. He projected to be a shooting guard, small forward. I thought he was more of a point guard, but shooting guard probably makes more sense. The archetype here, Jalen Brown, Cam Reddish, two great players. Oh, Jalen Brown's a great player. Cam Reddish was solid in high school, college as well. Dariq is a guy that is athletic, playing with Montvert. He's a winner. That's something that has to take, be taken into consideration. He's a winner, a guy that can play in the mid-range area. Shot creation is something he has definitely improved on. Number seven to Detroit, Brandon Miller. 6'9", archetype, Jaden McDaniels, Zaire Williams, and Rudy Gay. Yeah, I could see that Jaden McDaniels type for sure. Rudy Gay, in terms of his scoring, he's a guy that he averaged 22 points overseas this past summer. He can definitely fill it up. A little bit raw in terms of, like, his size at times, and I feel like at college, the college level might see him be a little bit more inconsistent than we saw in high school, but learning curve for sure, he'll be good. Number eight, Kaysen Wallace going to the Sacramento Kings. I haven't seen too much of Wallace, but his archetype is Drew Holiday, and if someone being compared to Drew Holiday, obviously they got to be something special. Drew Holiday is routinely one of the most underrated guards in the NBA. Number nine, Gigi Jackson going to Charlotte from South Carolina. I've watched Gigi Jackson this past summer on the EYBL circuit playing, um, I believe it was for CP3's AAU team with Rob Dillingham and Aiden Holloway. That big three, that was monstrous. Um, His archetype is Pascal Siakam. Hmm. Hmm. That's interesting. I, he's definitely a guy that can finish above the rim. Who I, I, just, I think Siakam isn't that bad of a comp. It's not bad of a comp at all. He definitely has a shooting touch, 
that's been improving. I saw it a lot this AAU season, as well as his ability to create his own offense rather than just being a post-up guy and taking it into the paint from the block. I think that Gigi Jackson definitely will be one of the better players come out of this draft for everything if he can put everything together because he has the tools for that for sure. And number ten, going to the Wizards, Osar Thomas, Osar. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. The other Thompson, excuse me, the other Thompson twin. Same measurables as his twin, six seven, six eleven. His archetype is Andrew Wiggins, compared to. Let me go back real quick. The Scotty Barnes, Scotty Pippen comparison for his brothers. That's interesting. Again, this dude is a scorer, athletic. Same thing as his twin, basically. Um, this has to be some differences that the recruiters see outside of the twins. But both of these guys are electric scorers. But I just said that to say that these guys are legit. This entire top ten class. There's probably more guys I didn't even mention. Derek Lively from Duke. I can't wait to see him in person when he comes down to Syracuse. But Derek Lively, he's with seven one, seven two. And he has the ability to really score the ball, but he's going to get the opportunity to really show off his defensive potential in this Duke system under John Shire. Post Mike K. Oh, Coach K. Why did I say Mike? No one says Mike K. Coach K. After his departure. Um, Let me see. Who else? There's a lot of guys. Keontae George. Oh, my God. Baylor. Keontae George is going to be special. I've raved about him for so long. Keontae George has the potential. I don't know why he's not in the top five. But in that Baylor system, with the guards being able to produce the way they do, I'm sure he's going to get lots of opportunities to play, start, and dominate at the college level. I really have high hopes for Keontae George. Amari Bailey as well. I'm sure he's in that group of players, probably in the top 30, I'd hope. Keontae George, actually, I'm checking now for Bleacher Report. He's going right at number 11 to the New York Knicks. His archetype is Eric Gordon, Gary Trent Jr. Eric Gordon in terms of the scoring, yeah, for sure. <clears throat> I think he's an advanced shot maker like Gordon has been in his past and can shoot it. I definitely like that. I like the I like the fit with the Knicks because they, they're looking for a guard despite them getting – Jalen Brunson is always looking for a guard. They need a transcendent guard. I think Keontae George has the potential to be an all-star in this league. I'm that high on him from all I've seen in high school. Chris Livingston as well. Who else? I'm just going through the list real quick. Uh, yeah, I mentioned Derek Lively. Uh, Dylan Mitchell going to Texas. Anthony Black going to Arkansas. Anybody else? Grady Dick, he's a shooter. Straight shooter. Um, I saw him a lot in high school. I think he could be definitely a 3-and-D guy for sure. Jalen hood Shafino going to Indiana. Kyle Flipowski, Duke freshman, power forward. He's going to be able to play like a stretch four kind of role in that Duke offense with Lively patrolling the paint. A lot of talent in this 2023 draft, man. When it's all said and done, this draft class could be one of the best ever. And that's going up against all of the – name them. Name all the draft classes. The, the amount of talent in this draft class is something special. And I know I'm going to be watching the NBA draft. That's for damn sure to see all the things that happen, all the trades, 
see if anybody makes a blockbuster trade because some of these guys are worth making a huge splash for trades. That's the end of this episode of the From Downtown Podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in, for watching, staying loyal. I appreciate it so much. Um, It was a good episode today. I really thought that I had to talk about Victor Wembanyama, Scoot Henderson. That game was awesome to watch. Just them going back and forth. Tit for tat scoring. Victor Wembanyama is a unicorn in the truest sense. I know a lot of people like to throw that term around in the NBA sphere, but he is the real deal. I've never seen somebody his size be able to do one dribble into a three-point shot coming off a screen the way that he does. Like Kevin Durant plus, for lack of a better term, lack of a better phrase, whatever you want to call it. Hugh Henderson as well. Anthony Edwards like Derrick Rose plus potentially. You you don't get much better than him in terms of prospects either. So two, te- two generational talents, two guys that you're going to be seeing in many, many all-star games, many all-NBA lists, MVP conversations. These guys are special. But thank you guys so much again for watching. Be sure to rate, uh, follow, leave five stars so we can get boosted up the algorithm. And I hope to continue talking about draft coverage as well once we get more into the college NBA, college, well, college NBA season, college basketball season. And as we see the prospects that I listed before, guys like Keontae George, super excited to see Derek Whitehead, all these guys. Until the eventual drafts and see who goes number three, because I think we know who number one and two is after that game. But thank you guys so much, and until next time, take care. <laughs>